so many thongs in a gym like you wouldn't believe. And I swear to God, one time I was sure I saw where the sun does not shine. I'm like. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I would do it with. It, it's really embarrassing to have a thing back on with nothing on because I just thought like, okay, there. It's sort of like skin tight. Yeah, it shows. It shows the shape. But yeah, and I it wasn't like. It wasn't like the gr- the crotch was skin tight, so I wasn't really worried about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, like when you're climbing, your front is to the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought like people might see the outline of my butt, but no, it wasn't just the outline. Like you could see through them <laughs> when they stretched out. It was a really horrible choice. Ooh. I regret it. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I've never been back since I discovered that. I'm like I don't. Know. If it's any consolation, I mean, this is Oklahoma. You're probably not going to see the same person two times unless they work there. Well, at a climbing gym, it's a bit more of a small society. It is a special circle, isn't it? Yeah, kind of a maniac subculture. The Babel podcast. Um, I apologize. There's going to be a bit of an echo in this. I hope it's not completely intolerable to listen to. I'm here with my friend Isabel Berg from our Creative Circle, Creative Osaka. She's actually in her last week, last two weeks. Yes, last two weeks in Japan. Um, so I caught her just before she left. So Isabel, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, completely unprepared here. Um, student. Uh, I study physics, also Japanese. So I'm in Japan studying Japanese, but going home in 10 days. So why physics and Japanese? Uh, that's that's a difficult question. No, um, I have a personal interest in Japan, but physics is kind of where, I don't know, I started out engineering and then, I, well, I don't know. I was more interested in physics, so ended up switching. Yeah. As a non-science person, it seems to me like physics would be a part of engineering. So what's the diff? Like what's the the change? I'm sure you took classes that related to physics and studying physics as an engineering student. Yeah. What's what's the big change in major? Well, the thing was my my engineering study was actually petroleum engineering, because I'm from Norway. We got a lot of oil. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with the when the crisis hit a few years ago, it's become very difficult to find a job. So my engineering study was focusing on oil. So I had a lot of classes about well oil mm-hmm. not that much about physics um so when i switched over to physics i ended up studying mostly just physics and math and not so much much chemistry and geology and those kinds of classes what's the crisis a few years ago when you say the crisis are you referring to like the the sort of 2008 financial no, crisis no? i'm not referring to the financial cri- financial crisis there was a separate crisis in the oil sector around 2013 mm-hmm. 2014 i can't remember okay um, well, the thing was, up until that point, um, a lot of the Arabic countries had retained some of their oil to make sure the market didn't get flooded. Then they decided that, no, we're not going to do that anymore. So they started selling all the oil they actually had been holding up. And that immediately dropped the oil price considerably. 
And the problem for, especially the Norwegian market, is that extracting our oil is very expensive mm-hmm. because it's not on land, it's at sea. Okay. Um, so our oil is, well, the, the sell price has to be a certain level for it to actually be... Profitable. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of projects got halted. A lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of, um, even more so than the actual, like, direct rig people, the surrounding professions around it, like people who do transport, people who do... Even just, you know, um, the treatment that the oil gets once it's back ashore before being sold. Um, so a lot of surrounding people also got to fall out from it. That's very interesting. I, it's not something I think that the average person thinks about often. But, like, the, there are places where it's cheaper to get oil and places where it's more expensive, even if it's the same amount of oil, yeah. the same abundance yeah. of oil. I mean, the oil itself is it's not equal. Right. The content of the oil will be different. Right. There's heavy oil and light yeah. oil. And then especially like depending on where you're extracting from, there might be more or less natural gas in the oil as well. Okay. So the the contents between like gas and, and raw oil, that's why it has to get, get treated after you've actually extracted it because you have to separate it. Okay. Um, so there's, there's a lot of other stuff happening too. It's not just taking it out and then you can sell it. So what was the reason for the um, sort of, we said the, it was the Arabian countries or the, the yeah. Arabian Peninsula? Um I'm, I honestly don't know. I don't know why they decided. I'm assuming there was either something political or something economical that, you know, motivated that. Do you think it was designed to um, go after competing oil producing countries? I, I don't think so. No. No. Okay. I, I don't know enough about it. Like, I was just starting out as a student at the time. Like, I was 18 when this happened. And just, you know, people were saying that, yeah, it's going to get better. It will, it will get itself, you know, back up to the normal level as, as before. But I think. Uh, what kind of happened around this is that a lot of companies, um, they couldn't really deny it anymore, that they've had this spending kind of attitude towards it where they don't care about how much they spend because they're earning enough money that they don't have to care. Sure. So, like, expenses were through the roof. And then after this, this crisis, in the, you know, everything is not so profitable anymore. You kind of have to deal with, you have to cut costs and you mm-hmm. have to, you know, you have to limit your expenses and not, you can't be, you know, uh, hosting parties for everyone, you know, free drinks, free food, free free cruises, free ever. You can't do that. That's not even in the, in the first place. That's not reasonable. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's like you can't deny it anymore. You have to change this culture. Mm. So a lot around the not just the not just the the market itself, but also the way that that companies and people thought about it changed because of this. Do you think that's going to have any impact on the sort of like socialist model? Because that's obviously another place where there's high costs, right? It's not. It's not directly in the industry itself. Yeah. But I honestly don't know. No. I'm assuming that because this, I mean, the the industry is quite large in Norway, so I'm assuming it affects enough people that it actually might yeah. will have might might well have an effect. I I don't know. That's interesting. Well, th- I'm not trying to do an economics podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know enough to ask enough no, intelligent either. questions about that. So the reason, uh, the the main reason I invited Isabel on today was because um, we had a conversation yesterday, um, sort of a themed, um, creative prompted meetup about um, migration and migrations as a general topic, and we started. We, we have these freeform conversations, right, where we, uh, no one said, like, okay, now let's talk about this, or here's my thesis on migration. But we had a lot of interesting um, things come up. And one thing that immediately stuck out to me is, like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do the podcast about, was you were talking about being from one part of Norway um, as a child, moving to another part of Norway while you're still a child, and having to deal with um, 
restructuring your social identity or your outward identity through your dialect yeah. and the, the language you spoke. So I know you said a lot of it yesterday and I hate to make you feel like you're repeating yourself, but it was really interesting to me and I'm not even sure I fully completely absorbed all of it. So if you, you know, wouldn't mind talking about that again. Yeah, I guess we could just repeat the conversation. Okay, I mean, sure. The conversation's t- probably not going to go the same way anyway. No, probably won't. We can try. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the, the basis for it is um, in, I think this is true for a lot of countries that there's dialects and they can vary, well, considerably. But um, I think especially in Norway, it's like um, there's so many different dialects depending on what part of the country you're from. It's not a big country. It's about the same size as Japan. But um, and even the people, there's so few people, like about a little over five million in total. It's a very small population. But even so, the the language, the way it changes depending on your dialect is, is so considerable that your 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 dialect says a lot about where you're from. Mm. Uh, so I think for for most people in Norway, if if you're an adult, you have enough experience with different kinds of dialects that you can pinpoint someone at least roughly where they're from based on how they're talking. So it's, I guess the main point is is both intonation, like the the way it sounds. I think Norwegian is known as a as a singing language. It's it's very sing songy kind of the the way you intone your sentences. Um, but in addition, it's also which words you choose and um, your grammatical endings, how you shorten words, how you... Because spoken language and written language is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as a... What was I? 11? 11-year-old? 10-year-old? Uh, we ended up moving from... Because I grew up about as far north as you can go and, and still be on, like, main coast. Like Tomso. Yeah, so, like, not, not on an island. Yeah. Um, and... Um, when we moved, we moved about halfway down. So it's still, it's still northern Norway. It's still considered pretty far north. About roughly, like, what would be the nearest city? Or uh, nearest one is Buda. Okay. So it's it's past the polar circle. Okay. So it's it's pretty far north. Okay. But, what well, is it past the polar circle? We have northern lights. All right. Yeah. Um, but the dialects, even though they're both northern Norway... The dialects, the distance is so great that the dialects are also very, very different. How many kilometers or miles between them is there? About, is it about 600 kilometers? Okay. Might be more, 800. But so over the course of 600, 800 kilometers, it's, the, the dialect is so different that there's like an identity attached well, yeah. to it. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not, it's difficult to, to pinpoint an identity because, I mean, you have, every person has their own identity. Of course. It's just, you know, I, th- I think there is a certain kind of stereotypical perception of how someone with a certain dialect would behave. But that's in most of the cases that's not correct. Okay. I mean it's a stereotype. I think that's probably true in every country, including yeah. Japan yeah. and the U.S. Um, so, w- for example, um, you said something yesterday about people from one area being considered more boorish or yeah. vulgar. Yeah. And this, that's particularly between South and North because there is there is more people living in Southern Norway. The population in Northern Norway is quite small. I mean, it's small to begin with, but it's even smaller there. So most of it is just rural areas with no no trains, no no very few buses, very little connections. You, you kind of it's not as as good as it gets. Um, but there is is a conception that um, people from northern Norway in general are very vulgar, and uh, especially when it comes to cursing. We talked a bit about this, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's not entirely wrong. People in northern Norway do tend to use curse words more. It's just not intended as cursing. <laughs> it's it's used as stronger fires to to signify that you're just you think you feel very strongly about this or the degree of it is very high. Mm. So I don't know the the usage, the way people think about it is different, 
And I think also in addition, people in Northern Norway are re- they're regarded as more more open, more welcoming, mm-hmm. more. I, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. Like I my personal experience when I moved from like all the way up north to halfway up north. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my m- the biggest change for me was that even though the towns were about the same size, about 800 people, so super tiny, yeah, the people all the way up north, they were a lot more welcoming. Okay. Like, they, they wanted you to be a part of their society. They wanted you to, to feel welcomed and to be included and, and to You're saying you felt that, not that it's a stereotype, yes. but you actually felt that. I felt that. that. And then moving halfway down, it was, this, it was this oddly secluded society where, and this is so weird because it's like early 2000s, and even so, it's like it's stuck in the 70s. <laughs> All the women are at home with their children, um, or in doing, you know, knitting and um, and anything like handcraft related, mm-hmm. while the men work at the factory. Mm-hmm. There's this silicium production plant, mm-hmm. um, and then and on their spare time they go hunting. Okay. And this is just it's 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 odd how 800 people can conform to this. <laughs> And just stay isolated. Like everyone is so, everyone grew up there. Everyone is so like they have their friend circles. They're not interested in getting to know new people. Mm-hmm. It was just, it felt very strange to come in there because it didn't feel welcome at all. Okay. You're outsiders. You're labeled as outsiders, and you get treated as it. So how did how did the language? Um, you said yesterday like there's different pronouns. Yeah. Th- that I think as an English speaker, um, as a native English speaker, that's a that's a hard one to wrap your head around. Yeah. As somebody who's learned Japanese, I, I've gotten more familiar with the idea of there being different pronouns. Yeah. For like in English, we only have the only difference is object subject, right? Yeah, so, so you say I, I or me, yeah. right? And but there's no it, that's just a grammatical yeah. difference. Whereas in Japanese, there's whether you're being a braggart or whether you're being humble or but whether you're being polite. It also depends on your gender, right? And yeah, there's gender, gender is part of that, right? Yeah. It's 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 all sort of social. Um, in group, out group, and then yeah. hierarchical up down yeah, yeah, yeah. and politeness levels. Yeah. And then there's also, you know, whether you're speaking to an enemy is another one, like Kisama for yeah. you, for you. Um, which in modern real Japanese, you know, I don't, I don't think hardly almost ever gets used. It's probably. actually interesting because I heard it in this, I heard it in this movie mm-hmm. where it was like around, I think it was like 600 BC, uh-huh. and he used Kisama as a. It, w- it was this very, very extremely polite way of yeah. speaking towards someone. It was Th- just extremely polite that's the other thing too right is that like what's what the rules are now is not what they always no, were no, no. i've seen that with kisama and then you can see it in the fact that it ends with sama right it mm. has the honorific ending at the end so it's odd that it became a, a negative term a term for I'm an enemy i'm assuming it's just kind of like mocking someone Me. by being extremely polite like yeah you're obviously not intending to be polite that was my take on it too that it there at some point along the line it probably got used sarcastically more yeah. than it got used yeah, yeah, yeah. sincerely um, so that, that's interesting. But like English, the only one of those in, in English that, that really jumps out off the top of my head is, is the plural you. So English used to have two words for you. It used to have thou and you. And, ah. and so thou, thou was used yeah. um, as like the common term when yeah. you were speaking down to someone or you're speaking to an equal. Um, it's, it was the more casual. It was the more direct. Um, and then you was the elevated speaking up to someone or speaking highly politely and you was also used um, as the plural and this parallel still kind of exists in modern English I don't know if you're familiar with this but like in English there's the royal we yeah the queen refers to herself as we and that's that's the way that that um, monarchs speak and so we is plural but in the case of the monarch speaking it's not plural right it's it's singular about the monarch and you was the same way you was actually plural 
but it was also used as an honorific to sort of address people. And then thou died out, and now use all we have, so it doesn't mean anything yeah. anymore. Yeah. But um, as a result, we don't have a plural word for you, right? We have we and us for I, yeah. but we don't have a plural word for you. So every dialect of English kind of has its own. In the American South, famous one is y'all. Yeah. And even some places, it's y'all for a small group and all y'all for a, oh, a bigger really? group. Yeah. In in California, and I think a lot of the U.S., it's you guys, regardless of gender, yeah. um, male, female. Um, there's yous, I think, in some parts of the East Coast. And I believe also in the U.K., yeah. there's yous guys. Um, there's a few of them. I, I can't remember all of them right now. But that's one of the few places in English where, depending on the pronoun someone uses, you can get a feel for where they yeah, where they're from. They f- came from. But yeah. that's about the only one I yeah. can think of. So in, in Norwegian, wh- what kinds of differences are there? I think you said even the word for I changes. Yeah, that's, that's, it's interesting you bring it up because we don't have different words for, for you, for referring to someone else or, or, or a group or, or anything like that. It's just... Uh, or maybe we do. I haven't actually thought about that. Okay. But... Um, like the the first thing that comes to my mind is that the actual word you use for I, as in, because uh, you know any Germanic language you do use the word I a lot because you have to speci- specify your subject, mm-hmm. so it, it comes up a lot and you hear it a lot, and um, in standardized language when like when it comes to writing there are no options there's just a one, um, and it's the same as they would pronounce it in Oslo in the in the capital. But um, different regions in Norway have wildly different words for the concept of I. Okay. And it's it's something you use so often. I think that's it's difficult for that not to be a part of your identity. Sure. I mean, especially when it literally is your word for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is it's probably not going to be very helpful for people who listen, but, you know, the actual word that, that I would use, uh, or maybe, like, first the standardized word is yai. Um, and it, the pronunciation can vary a little bit, but it's spelled yeg. So it's like J-E-G. Okay. Um, but so that's like southeastern Norway. That's what you would use there. But when you go, as soon as you go to the west coast, it turns into egg. Yai or egg. Okay. Which sound very different, right? Yes. And Britain-wise, it's E-G. So you're just missing the J on okay. the front. Um, but now suddenly the G is, is audible. You can hear it. Yeah. Uh, but when you start going north, the most common one is A. Okay. And this is a letter that doesn't even exist in English. <laughs> So it's it's an A and an E combined, but okay. you can't type that in English. But that, that's how you pronounce it, the sound that exists in Norwegian. Say um, it one more time. Ah. Ah. Okay. Um, but then there's some local variations. Like most of Northern Norway uses this ah, but there's some regions like in the middle where they say E. So it's just I, the letter E. Okay. Um, I have a few friends who use that. Uh, to me, it sounds odd because I just don't know that many people who use it. Okay. But that's another one. And then... Um, the particular region where my parents live now, it's a very, very, very small region where they do this, but they say e. So the letter e. That's so an the e. Oh, yeah. that's the e, okay. Um, so you have standardized e, western e, uh, northern Norway a, and then uh, some regions e, and uh-huh. then my region e. Okay. Um, the odd thing for me here is that my parents are from different regions. So I grew up hearing different things. So my mom is from the western coast, so she says egg. But my dad is from the region where they live now, so he says eh. But then both me and my sisters, we kind of, we we kind of, we've been we've been moving around, so we both have this different kind of uh, input. Mm-hmm. So she says yay. 
for whatever reason. That's something that's it seems to be up and coming in the the younger generation right now. It's coming from the bigger cities, so like from people who have a lot of connections with Bulle, the closest city. They tend to use this. I have friends who are my age who also use it. They also tend to go like go there a lot. Have friends from there. The EI sounds more urbane and like metropolitan. <laughs> it's it's difficult. The, the connotation that I get from it is that it sounds kind of. I don't even know how I feel about it. It doesn't really have a, a feeling. It doesn't really have much. It's just it's just a word. Okay. It sounds it sounds a little city language, but it doesn't doesn't sound posh. It doesn't sound okay. It's not. There's no arrogance involved. There's no. Sounds young. Maybe, maybe. you said a lot of young. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess it does have a kind of young feel. No, no elderly person in this region would say that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that says something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, me for me personally, it's it's this word is. It's it's not difficult because language tends to just come out. You don't really have a conscious thought about it. It just happens. Yeah. But I switch. So depending on who I've been speaking with last and what dialect they're using, I just kind of match it. So if I'm talking to my mom or if I'm visiting like her relatives on the western coast, I will switch over to say egg. But if I'm talking with a lot of my friends from, from that region where, where I moved from, then I will say ah. But speaking to some of my friends there who are from this very small town, they will say eh, and I might start saying that. Okay. When when did you first start? Um, so w- which was the first one you used as a, as a real young child? And when did you first start using a different one? And how, how conscious was or wasn't it? I honestly have no idea. I think you'd be better off asking my mom. <laughs> okay. No, because um, I was two years old when we moved away from, from, from the western coast. I'm assuming I already spoke enough to say egg. Yeah. But uh, when we moved, because we moved all the way from close, like all the way up north, and there everybody said ah, mm. so I said that too. If you meet a Norwegian in Japan, yeah, and for the first time yeah. you're meeting them, which which do you default to? I actually have a problem right now that I, I have no one to speak Norwegian with. Oh really? Yeah. Zero people. Yeah, okay. there is a Norwegian guy, but we we live really far away and we don't really meet. Okay. And it's I I'm not using my Norwegian. I sometimes use it over Skype. But that's always with my mom, so I'm just defaulting to hers. Sure. But that's not what I normally talk. Normally, I talk with the general, like, northern Norwegian kind of dialect, where I would say, ah. But I have a problem now that every time I'm, I'm prompted to speak Norwegian, because I had a friend visiting a week ago, I've forgotten how it's supposed to sound like. <laughs> really? It's very frustrating, because I, I know the words, and I want to say them. I just don't know how to pronounce them. It's so, it's, it's, it's a very, very strange feeling of being disconnected with your own... Really, language is, is difficult, especially when it's your mother tongue and then not being able to pronounce it. It's it's, yeah. it's very distressing. I, it's I th- again, there's there's certain things um, about being a native English speaker that make it hard to understand uh, certain uh, certain experiences that I think yeah. from that come from people who are natives of other languages. But like English is so it's it's level of penetration into like global culture is so intense that I could not escape it if I wanted no. to. Um, no, and I have never even thought about trying, but like I would have to basically stop all the entertainment that I watch, like everything that I consume. Uh, I Even living in Japan, I'd say like probably still at, at most 35% of what I'm watching is in languages other English, yeah. other than English, including Japanese, mm-hmm. right? So the majority is still in English. Do you, do you, do you make a conscious effort to like listen to Norwegian music or watch Norwegian movies or I'm I'm read? not conscious about it at all. No. It's just I mean my general consumption even when I'm back home it's still mostly English because we don't dub stuff. 
Yeah. We we just everything comes the way it is. I mean, we have Norwegian entertainment. That's not it. It's just I don't have a TV back home, so I can't watch Norwegian television. Okay. And I mean, I do when I'm when I'm at someone's house or when yeah. I'm at home with my parents. Then of course, but and and of course, still like on the radio is still still going to be in Norwegian. And when people are talking around you, it's in Norwegian all the time, of course. But the entertainment that I consume, especially when I'm outside of Norway, I do listen to Norwegian artists, but they also tend to sing in English. Yeah. Because there's a bigger market to hit. Sure, yeah. Like, I only have, like, a couple of select artists that sing in Norwegian. I have, especially this one artist that I, I really like because he's singing in my dialect. Mm. And that's very, very rare. Because there's not just not that many people talking it. It's, like, at most, maybe, like, 100,000 people. Let's talk about that because that was, that was something I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. I I think in America, well, in English, there's certainly there have been authors who have made their um, mark by writing not in standard English, by writing in a dialect like yeah. Mark Twain famously um, would would play with southern dialects um, in Japanese. There's a few authors or few TV personalities who sort of broke the barrier of using Kansai Ben. And I mean, now it's become its own thing. Kansai yeah. Ben has become like the language of comedy yeah. in Japan. But um, but there's like writers that write in, in, in dialects within Japan. Um I think it's a it's a phenomenon that happens. I I don't know a, a ton about UK dialects, but I do know that there's periods of time where like Cockney or certain certain varieties of English are like not welcome in movies or not welcome in the in the film the theater community, and then some actor will sort of break through that wall. So um, it sounds like there must be some degree of that in Norway that certain dialects don't make much of an appearance. Yeah, it's. I mean, every dialect, like the size wise, is going to be different. Yeah. Uh, even even though you, I can say standardized, like generally in Western Norway, they would use the word ik, mm. but there's still like there's tens and tens and hundreds, maybe even of dialects, even just on the Western coast as a region yeah. where they talk differently, yeah. where they use different words, where the intonation is different, where there is. I think there is this kind of like us, you kind of thing about it just because of how you, you know, identify based on it. It's like, yes, I'm from this region. Mm. So, you know, so some of it's intentionally trying to maintain it. I don't think it's intentional. No. I think it's just a natural consequence of the, the dialects being so different. Okay. But even so, it's um, the, thi the thing is like just a couple of decades ago, standardized, you know, television, the, the main channel, like so basically Norwegian NHK mm -hmm. and that cool. Mm -hmm. And um, that channel, it's it would always be produced in Oslo, the capital. So all the people doing it would be from Oslo because you're living there to work. So all the dialects you would hear on television, it would all be also dialect. And uh, all the television show, like, you know, for, for kids, for young kids, we do dub stuff. So all the dubbers would also be talking in also dialect. Okay. So me as a child, um, I remember when, when I was growing up, there was this, because we were, you know, on the complete opposite side of the country, like maybe about probably around 2,000 kilometers away. It's really far. And everything we heard on television was this completely different dialect like it's not even relatable okay uh, i could try to speak it but it would sound really odd yeah um but we used that when we were playing yeah it was this playtime voice like play pretend i i can totally understand that i mean it's not unlike the way to a lot of american kids british english sounds like lord of the rings yeah speak because yeah. that's the only place they've seen it so far yeah. right heard it so, so that's something that you know growing up you would still hear it all the time but it's just it's kids playing yeah and it sounds odd because you don't you know don't actually know how to use it. it's just what you picked up yourself from television yeah. but that's it's i remember growing up the first time i met someone who was actually from oslo was one of my teachers he was like it was like fifth grade and i, I remember being so like Whoa. 
like I think my first initial thought was like, why why does he speak like that? He's a he's an actual person speaking like that. <laughs> it's like it was so odd for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I just never met anyone. Yeah. It's just you know, um, like he's actually a cartoon character. Yeah, and like yeah. And, and the suit. worst part is he him as a person, <laughs> he is kind of like a cartoon okay. character. He's really like. He's he's a, he's a very very good teacher. He's very very good with children. Very very warm. Very I don't even know how to describe him. It's just but he's he's such a character. He has so much personality that it was it was kind of difficult not to view him as a cartoon character. Um, but but either way, like growing up, I mean, people migrate all the time. Yeah. People move around, especially for jobs. Yeah. So wherever you go in Norway, there's going to be people talking different dialects, even wildly different dialects. Um, so over time, you kind of accumulate enough experience to start. So you have this friend who talks like this, and they're from there. So next time you meet someone who talks like that, you're like, oh, you must be from there. Yeah. So just over time, you have enough, you have a big enough social circle that you start getting these pinpoints for where different dialects belong. Yeah. Um, but I think for children, it's, it's more difficult to, 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 to navigate that. Of course. Uh, children, uh, as we, we, talked, we touched upon yesterday a little bit and a variety of other topics. Children... They both they have no frame of reference because yeah. everything's new to them, but they also um, there's the small world that they do know is their entire world. Yeah. So everything from outside of it seems alien or mysterious or you know it's it's hard for them to know what to do with it. I think. Um, yeah, you so you said you said something interesting earlier. You said that recently the only person you speak Norwegian with is your mother. Yeah. And so you're just defaulting to her Norwegian yeah. as opposed to, you use the word normal as opposed to how you would normally speak. Yeah. So th this is another interesting one. I think being from s somebody who my parents have different native languages, right? English and Spanish, but it's hard for me to imagine like one of my parents is English being not normal quote-unquote English so what if the language you speak with your mother or the dialect you speak with your mother yeah. is not normal for you then what is the, what is normal for you uh, this it's actually been been dif difficult for me to pinpoint because when people ask me where I'm from I just don't have an answer yeah because um, this where you're from kind of ties in with how you talk sure and partially also how you act and and picking one has been very difficult because I switch all the time it's like give me give me a week being one place and I will be completely switched over. It's mm. like the switch itself takes like a couple of three hours, but then I'll be so deep into it. I'll, f I'll be forgetting how to talk differently. Do you notice it as it's happening or is it like, Oh, I, I did not, yeah. I did not notice until, um, because my, um, my partner from, we lived together for about four years. Um, the first couple years when we lived together, he was noticing this. I mean, he was he was seeing the switch as it as it happened. Mm -hmm. I did not. Mm. I didn't know about this until he brought it up. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that when I went to visit my 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 family on the western coast, I would switch. But but like in my daily life, according to to my ex, when I get angry or upset or if I'm frustrated, I will switch to western dialect. Okay. So that's the one that my mom talks. Okay. So if I'm cursing, <laughs> if I'm like really really angry and I'm cursing properly then it will be that one okay this is kind of interesting because while northern norway has this image of being the, the cursing dialect when i'm cursing and i want to curse properly then i switch to the western one well you, you said that in northern norway the curse words don't carry the same impact they're not that's true but so when you're actually cursing when you intend to curse yeah the curses are very creative yeah you they're, said that they're very yesterday. you know they're not actual words you just make them as you go i think the 
like the number number one you hear all the time is hestkuk, which means horse cock. <laughs> and that one they don't use in Southern Norway. You'd never hear it. Okay. You'd never hear it. Southern or Eastern or Western. You'd never hear it. It's only Northern Norway. Because cock is bad enough that you don't need to add the horse to it. Yeah, even they wouldn't use that word for cock. They would use a different word. Okay. So it's like we ha- we have a bunch of different words for it, like any language. Yeah, yeah. But that particular word, it's like it's it belongs in northern Norway. I think kinda. Germanic languages have an affinity for words for for private parts. We have yeah. a lot for. Yeah. Japanese doesn't have nearly as many words for the it's penis. It's so disappointing because <laughs> anytime I I, s- I you know start delving into a, a different language, like the curse words kind of come first. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but if with Japanese, it's just not that much to to find. Well, the big tell is um I, I love. Whenever I'm reading or watching something, I love to s- to think about how it's translated. Or if it's subtitles, I always pay a lot of attention to how it was translated yeah. in the subtitles. And I mean, the big tell is like in English, shit and fuck are always translated both as kso in Japanese, yeah. Yeah. which is like those are different. Yeah, I feel very strongly they're both they're both. I I get that they're on the same wavelength, yeah. but those are very different concepts, right? So when it says like it's fucking cold, and the and the subtitles are like kso samui, I'm like, no, that's shit cold. <laughs> That's okay, but yeah, yeah. No, but I, I agree with that. It's it's the usage of it is is different, and the connotation of it is also different. So especially when translating, that's I, I think it becomes apparent for me when I'm talking English because my way of I think when you switch languages, you also switch the way you think. Uh, definitely. So I I'd, I'd say to some degree your personality changes a little bit. Definitely. So me talking English does not at all sound the same as me talking Norwegian. Yeah. And me I talking different dialects in Norwegian also does not sound the same. Yeah. The way the way I would phrase myself or the way I would express myself or maybe even what I would choose to say is a little different. Yeah, I totally understand that. I, I mean, I, I feel somewhat similar to you in that um, living in Japan, I have encountered far more English speakers from, a d- from diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. of the English-speaking world than I ever had living in Southern California. And Southern California is a diverse place within America. I mean, if you were to you know, parts of America you could go to, you could even encounter a narrower range of people. But um, I think compared to the East Coast, you don't meet as many Europeans. You know, we're, we're, we're facing Asia as yeah. opposed to where New York yeah. is facing um, Europe. So I had never met many um, British people Really hadn't. I mean, I'd seen plenty of British TV and British British movies. I, I hadn't met many Australians, um, not many New Zealanders. I mean, for a long time, I was the stereotypical American. I couldn't tell the difference between the Australian yeah. and the New Zealand accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I totally can. Um, but it, yeah, it's all been through living in Japan because all the English speakers kind of end up in one basket. Yeah. And um, it's smoothed out or rounded out my dialect. If I go back to California for a while, I think I start speaking a lot more like a Southern Californian. Yes, yeah, so we get a more heavy kind of accent. Yeah, and um, I it also rounds out my personality. I think like so, a small one, and it's probably not even the 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 most prominent of the changes that have happened to me. But I say a bit now instead of a little or yeah. a little bit. Um, I say a bit, and I think it's just from being around British people. I think they tend to they tend to say a bit. Never noticed that more than a little or more than a little bit. And after being around it a lot. Um, and getting used to it, it takes less energy to say a bit yeah. than to say it's a little, shorter. yeah, or a little bit, yeah, um, a little bit. So I have just started saying it, but it's something that when I find when I go back to California, I feel like I'm the only person saying a bit. Like I look around and I'm like everyone, and then I think like 
do they think it's weird? Do I sound pretentious to yeah, them? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I drop it after a while. Yeah. I start making the effort to say a little. You start again. conforming to what's around you. Yeah, but it's not entirely conscious, like you say. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of happens. Yeah. I've, I've actually um, on the same like when you when you when you go back and start noticing these like people are talking differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have occasionally I have words that are dialect that I didn't know was dialect. I assumed they were standardized words that everyone knew and everyone would use. And I think I had one word that I discovered at age 21. I've been using it for for a couple of decades. And then I realized nobody understands what it means. They've never heard it. Really? It, it was this word like because we're we're sitting sitting at lunch and we're eating. And I was eating like a baguette or something. And there was like a ton of like crumbs, like uh-huh. tiny crumbs from the baguette. Uh-huh. And I was complaining, "Oh my god, there's so many crumbs because they were like not just in like on the plate, they're just everywhere." Um and and I was I was frustrated with how it was spreading. Like the fallout area was just so big, and I used this word that I have in my dialect. I did not know. Um, poor tiny crumbs, which is poof. Nobody knew what it meant. They were all so confused. Like what? There's so much what? And I'm like poofs. It's poofs. And they're like what? And the worst part was when I asked my mom about it, she knew perfectly well what it meant. But my dad didn't. Oh, really? He had no idea. Really? And I still, to this day, I can't quite pinpoint where it's from because, it's, uh, like I mentioned, we moved around a lot. Yeah. I'm not sure where I picked it up because my 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 like my family on the Western Coast, they also don't know what it means. It's like Western, they don't know. Middle Norway, they also don't know. I haven't checked. Maybe it's from all the way up north. I'm not sure. I mean, I can... Uh, to me, there's nothing strange about different regions not knowing it or knowing it. But to me, it's very surprising to hear that your mom knew it yeah. and you are your mom's daughter and you know it, but your dad, who I assume yeah. has lived with your mom for a long yeah, time, yeah, didn't yeah, been, been know living it. together for like 22 years. And, and y- you know, you're his daughter and you use it. So it's odd. Like he, j- he didn't, he had never heard of it. Yeah. Or he to be mentioned, he's my stepfather. Oh, okay. Um, and also they are from different regions, Okay. but they've been living together for 22 years. Okay. It's a yeah. very long time. Yeah. You'd think it'd come up at some point. Yeah. Uh, because I know my mom uses it like when we're talking about like is when you when when you cut bread there's crumbs everywhere mm-hmm. so about like getting the brushing the crumbs off the the the, the cutting board and putting it in trash mm-hmm. and that word the word comes up a lot like in that kind of context sure I don't know maybe maybe it's like morning habits like my mom gets up way earlier than my dad and that's why it never crisscrossed <laughs> I, I don't know it's so strange I was just so shocked I, like I felt like my like my reality was kind of falling apart like this is this is not a normal word. Can I can I not write this? Like can I fi- I, I think I searched for it. I couldn't find it in a dictionary. It's yeah. just not. Wow. That I had a, a moment like this is a little bit different. Yeah. But I had a moment like that where um, there's a word I don't know exactly. I couldn't draw a line around what parts of the U.S. use it and what parts don't. I know it's commonly used on the West Coast. I don't know where it stops being used, but. Um, we say, for example, if in a really super casual situation, um, if you want to say a little bit here again, I'm talking about a yeah, little bit again. Yeah. If if you're sitting down in like a booth seat at a restaurant and you don't have enough space, and you tell the person next to you, like, could you scoot over a little yeah. bit? Um, we'll often say, like, could you scoot over a skosh? Could you give ah. me just a skosh? Ah. Or like in coffee, like, um, do you, if someone says, do you want some cream? And it's like, yeah, just a skosh. Uh, so for a long time, I thought nothing of this word. It's yeah. To me especially because of the way people pronounce it they say a skosh give me a skosh it sounds super southern california yeah it sounds very like la um i just thought it was like a nonsense word that uh, we'd made up 
And th this is funny, right? Because I've lived in Japan 11 years. I studied like 50, no, that's, that's an exact, I studied like 10 years before I came. Um, it, I probably had been speaking Japanese for 15 years before I went like, oh, that's the word sukoshi. That's just the American pronunciation. Seriously? Yeah, it's sukoshi. And so I, as soon as it clicked, I was like, that can't, that, that can't be right. So I it came from Japanese? Jumped in the dictionary, and it's right there in the dictionary. It says, like, from, wow. from Japanese, Sakoshi. Wow. And it's listed as, like, a West Coast English, um, American English term. And it, I, presumably during the war or during the occupation or something. And you can understand, right? Because Sakoshi is a word that you would um, contextually pick up. Yeah. If yeah, if it's you're like if you're if you're in a bar and yeah. you're asking yourself Scotia, you would hear like Scotia. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Just a little, a little, a little. Yeah, little. yeah, yeah. So uh, people absorbed it and they took it back with them, and for some reason it caught on in some parts of the U.S. and not in others. But so after I realized this was Japanese, and after I saw in the dictionary that it was like West Coast, I started asking. Like I had a friend from Chicago, I started asking other Americans, and they were like, "I've never heard that word. Like, what are you talking about?" Yeah. And so I was like, "Oh my God! Like, how many of these are there that, you know what I mean?" I yeah. just thought. That was just kind of young, hip American English, but no, it was it's this Japanese word that just, you know, weirdly found itself in a completely other other part of yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of kind of like it, it it comes down like started like probably like in I'm guessing around like 1940s. Probably. And yeah. then from there, it's gone from generation to generation with, and you just you don't know where words come from. Yeah. Like I thought about it because I have a part time job as a as a Norwegian teacher. And occasionally I'll be like, okay, so this word relates to this word, but I can't actually know because I haven't checked, like I haven't researched the etymology of it. There's so many words that I use that I have no idea of the origin of. It's, I mean, it becomes clear when you're learning Japanese also, because when there's so many, so many words that, well, they're foreign words. So you you can easily spot them by them being in katakana. Yeah. But most of the time you just kind of assume it's English. Yeah. But sometimes it's not, even though it sounds like English. Yeah. My first like really run in with this was the word consento. 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 It sounds like consent, right? It does, yeah. It means power outlet. Right, yeah. Because it's not from English. Is it? What is it? I think it's from Dutch. Dutch. Okay. Yeah. Th it's they're often Dutch. Another one that threw me was um, randoseru. The the school the the square backpacks that the school kids wear. Ah, they're called randoseru. Is it Ransel? Yeah, it's probably from German. It's that one's Dutch as well, I believe. It's Dutch. Because yeah. a lot of the early Japanese, um, when they westernized their education system, a lot of it was from like the Netherlands. Yeah, Netherlands yeah. Yeah. We actually have that word in Norwegian as well. Ransel. Ransel. Yeah. Yeah, so we also have Rigsack, which is, you know, Rucksack. Rucksack, yeah. Well, that one, I don't know. Again, I couldn't tell you who does and doesn't, but I know where I'm from, nobody says Rucksack. It's a backpack. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Where does Rucksack get used? Yeah, I, I would have to look that well, up. Does, does the word "ruck" mean anything to you? Only in that word. Okay, and, because and I've only I only see it in books. Yeah, because the Norwegian word "rig sack" it's yeah. two different words. "Rig" means back. Sure. Okay. And "sack" is just uh, you know a, a, ba a sack. Yeah. yeah, we say sack. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's you know a sack you carry on your back. Yeah. So it's backpack. Yeah. It's a backpack. Yeah, but I, that doesn't it doesn't mean that no. when I hear it. No. Ruck sounds like. You know, it's a it's a word that I, I don't have any meaning for, so I make up a meaning yeah. for it. So I yeah. assume rucksack sounds like ruck is like an adventure or Ooh. like you're going on a, you're rucking. <laughs> I, I strongly suspect that's from German. Yeah. Rücksack, as far as I know. Okay. Yeah. That would make sense. That's, it has the same meaning as Norwegian. It's back and yeah. then, you know, attack. So. Yeah. Another place I run into this a lot with is food. Yeah. Um, just today when I was 
I was, oh, I, I, sorry, I offered you food and I didn't actually give it to you. We'll, we'll, we'll take a break and you can eat if you yeah. want. Um, when I was cooking earlier, I was chopping up stuff. And like I mentioned yesterday, I've, I've become really religious about, about weighing my food and tracking yeah. my calories like yeah. day in, day out. And I was chopping up stuff. And I kind of, when I'm cooking, especially when I'm alone, I kind of vocalize. So while I'm, ta- while I'm talking, I'm actually saying to myself like 168 grams of, of mushroom. You're um, narrating your cooking. Yeah, it's just That's adorable. I think it, it's it started as like a, I have a bad memory. Yeah. So if I weigh it and I'm chopping it and I'm gonna write it down in a minute, but I don't want to forget it for that minute, ah, I'll just kind of say keep it. Saying it. Yeah, I'll say yeah. it. And then that, that that just turned into talking to myself basically. Um, it's but it's like a I don't know. I feel like a lot of people when you're alone in your house, you kind of are a little bit crazy. You yeah. do weird stuff. Your silence does things to you. Yeah. So I so I'm doing this this morning and um. I took what I would call a bell pepper. In Japanese, they say paprika. Yes. The it's a bi- a big round, sweet, not spicy pepper. Yeah, I um, I know it. There's it's red, paprika yellow, paprika Norwegian as well. Okay. Yeah. And in I believe in Australia and I think also in the UK it's paprika. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't. In the US, some parts might call it different things, but we call it a bell pepper because yeah. it's a pepper that's shaped like a bell. Yeah. Um. You know that word? That word's confused me for years. Yeah. Because like last time I was in Japan three years ago. There was a lot of English native English speakers and talking to them like in the kitchen because we had a communal kitchen. It's like I'm like I'm trying to describe this dish that I was going to make the next day. I'm like and then there's this paprika and they're like, what? And I'm like <laughs> trying to describe yeah. it because I just I just for some whatever reason, I haven't stumbled across the word bell pepper until then. Yeah. I just like why bell pepper? Where does that even come from? I'm like, but it's not a pepper. It's not in any way spicy. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then paprika, to me is the is a powder. It's the spice, uh, the uh, red. You know. Yeah, you have the paprika powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's paprika to me. Yeah. But but words have just become interchangeable for me. Like I like I said <laughs> I said this yesterday when we were talking about identity. My thing instead of being like this is the right way to call this or this this is the right um, term. It's just like okay, yeah, fine. You can also call it that. Yeah. Like that's also fine. I, I just I've given up on trying to. Distinguish between it. But so I don't even know what my terms are for anything. So as I was as I was cutting this morning, I said paprika. I was like 180 grams of paprika. And then I was like, why did I just call it <laughs> paprika? And I said I said aloud to myself, I don't even speak my own language anymore. Like I don't even know I don't know what anything is. Like I, I can't remember which is the Japanese term now, which is the European term, which is yeah. the American term. Yeah. yeah, it's very weird. Very, very but English weird. is kind of weird. It's like for some whatever reason they they some of some words that are just standardized the same in a bunch of other languages for some reason is different in English. Yeah. Like pineapple. Um, remind <laughs> me what it is. Where it's ananas, ananas yeah. or something similar to that in literally every other language. Yeah. But in English, it's pineapple. And it's neither how? from a pine nor is it an apple. No, yeah. it's like. Where, how did you come up with that? I, I I think the etymology for that, I believe, is that it looks like a pine cone. The out, outward appearance of it is yeah. like a pine cone. But how did English never get influenced by a different <laughs> language? How did it not pick up ananas? Uh, and another weird one is, um, this is not only English, but like avocados. Yeah. The, the fruit avocado is from Mexico. It's, very, it's, a, it's a fruit with a very specific, very recent um, origin. It's not like there's a lot of foods that, that are prehistorically traded so they were everywhere already by the time we started having records i mean the spanish encountered the avocado for the first time uh, with like the nahuatl uh, aztec people so you'd think that avocado would be like the nahuatl word or the aztec word but it's and also it sounds spanish right avocado yeah Yeah, but actually in spanish it's not called avocado 
It's called aguacate. Really? Yeah, and it's and then I think the Nahuatl word is also something different. So I'm not I don't have all the f- facts ready to t- tell this super yeah, interestingly, yeah. but it's just very interesting that avocado sounds so Spanish. Yeah. And yet it's not the Spanish word. Is there any chance someone else is like it's from Spain? It should sound something like this. Well, or maybe they heard the original word and possibly, couldn't quite remember it. But in in sometimes in old English manuscripts, the fruit is referred to as the advocate pear. Why? I don't know. So so apparently avocado is is a corruption of the English word advocate. Oh, okay. Advocate pear. I guess because they were pear shaped. Yeah. But yeah, advocate pear became avocado somehow. It's one of those like, just the actual etymologies are so much stranger than anything you could imagine. Yeah. 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 yeah, sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Oh yeah, definitely. Def- I mean, that's why I think you get these folk etymologies sometimes, where people make up stories for where words come from. Yeah, but th- they aren't true, but they s- they make more sense than yeah. whatever the truth would be. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could also kind of for s- for some things you could kind of make a story as a mnemonic to yeah. remember the word. For sure, it probably occurs for a lot of people who are learning other languages. I've done it with Japanese. Yeah, especially for remembering kanji. Yeah, uh, y- you probably have as well. I got so many weird stories about kanji. Yeah, it's go like for it. Share, share oh, a kanji what's story. The, what's with the me. first one that comes to mind? Um, I'm gonna turn on this light. Yeah. Oh, you can go ahead. No, it's like when I'm when I'm looking at a kanji, I, I immediately know my own story to remember it. But when you just ask me point blank, I cannot think of a okay. single kanji. It's like. I'll tell you one while you while you think, because it's it's the one I, I it's the first one I really thought of that I was proud of thinking of. You know the the kanji for fish for sakana. Yeah. So it's the like chonchon at the top, and then basically it's the rice field. <laughs> this is very very easy to imagine for listeners. Oh yeah, it's not at all. It's I, at the it's top. It's very hard. Well, and plus, there's there's like names for the radicals for people yeah. who study that stuff. Yeah. But like that's it's not, not going to help anything either. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll describe it the way my mnemonic works. There's a part at the top that kind of looks like it could be a hook. Yes. It's a line and then like another jagged line, yes. like a like a hooked line yes. coming off of that line. And it's very small at the very top of the character. And then the middle part of the character is basically a square chopped into four parts. Yeah. Like four four quadrants. Um, and with that that part by itself is the kanji for rice field, yes. right? And then at the bottom there's four short lines that are coming off the bottom of the of the rice field kanji. Yeah. And the way I I remembered this Again, maybe I'm stereotyping Japanese culture a little bit, or I was to, to remember this, is that it's a hook pulling a rice field out of the water, and the four lines at the bottom are like water dripping off of the rice. So rice ah. field being food, fish or food that you eat. Uh-huh. And that has n- no relationship to the actual etymology of the kanji. It's I just how I yeah. remembered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because uh, for that particular kanji, I always, I always kind of imagined it as a fish that's been fished up, now it's dead. So yeah. there's a fish kind of on its side. So like the top, the the hooky part on top is like the head. Yeah. This is a pointy pointy end. Yeah. And then the w- the four parts at the at the bottom of it oh is it like fins. the tail. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually closer to the real etymology. Because there's there's different different kanjis have different you know uh, origins. So like for yeah. some of them it's because they imagery wise look like the item they are yeah. trying to describe. But then there's all the abstract ones that that don't. Yeah. And. Anything you know. that's that's a combination pretty much. Yeah. Like. Like uh, like pig for example, the buta that kanji, I that one is also it's a, it's a head with four legs and a tail, and and it's kind of in, in that rounded shape. And I believe it's also in the shape of a slaughtered animal lying on its side. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but so that one's the shape one. But then like house is a pig under a roof. 
Yeah. Because your house that's is true. the place you take your pigs when you ah. put them under a roof. I mean, supposedly. Yeah. I think they have some countries that to me are just kind of disturbing. Like the, the country for cheap. It's a woman under a roof. Okay, but that's like, mm. that I, I, I'll defend that one because it didn't originally mean cheap. Yeah, I mean safe. It means safe, yeah, right? That's true. If your if that's your true. wife is under a roof, you 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 feel safe. Yeah, she's she's safe, and also yeah, it yeah, means yeah. um comfortable or reassured, yes. right? Yes, yes. So true. if your wife is if your wife is inside, you feel reassured. <laughs> so it's sexist in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to think of different kanjis, but I, I, but everything I've been writing about has been my computer. It's like I've forgotten how to handwrite stuff. I just uh. don't remember radicals anymore. I, the um, the kanji for man as well. Yeah. It's field power. Yeah. It's, it's literally just the rice field character and then the character for power. Yeah. Which that to me tells me whoever came up with that character, whoever was dividing dividing men and women into categories and coming up with with ways to write them, wasn't thinking about themselves. It was like what are what can we use men for? Like <laughs> now they they work in the fields. Like you know what I mean? It was some it was some noble bureaucrat person who yeah. wasn't actually doing any work in China. Yeah, thousands right. Thousands and thousands right. of years going ago, going like, okay, those are the ones that we use to work in fields. Yeah, and then these are the womb ones, right? Because the the woman one they think is the shape of a womb. Yeah. So yeah, it's like these ones work in the fields and these ones have babies and that's yeah. what they're good for. Yeah, like it's. it's it's fair. It's <laughs> not. It's not terrible. Like coming from a thousands-year-old perspective, that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mo- most of when you really get into human history, we've mostly been terrible with each other to ourselves. That's true, though. Yeah. And then also, there's like the small highlights, like the the word for 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 like ski, is a woman with yeah. a child. Yeah. And that's just that's adorable. Yeah. It's I like that take of it because I've heard actually I've heard other Westerners like call that kanji creepy because they read it as meaning like female child ah. but you're reading it as being a woman with a child which yeah. i think those are both equally valid like you can see both either yeah. one of those in that. yeah yeah that, that's interesting yeah yeah I, I i see a woman next to a child so for me that's a natural assumption but yeah no that's i i've actually never even heard anyone say that one that really before, yeah i also like learn yeah learn as a child with a hat on Ah, uh, gaku. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. like, yeah, sorry, not manabu. I was thinking like of uh, yeah. narabu. Yeah, yeah, sorry, not narabu, manabu. I, I mean the lear- learning. Yeah, like yeah, gaku, yeah. Gaku, Yeah, child. It's a child going to school with a hat on. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I th- thank you for coming on. Um, I feel like now that we're now that we're sharing kanji trivia, maybe the conversation <laughs> sort of run its natural course. Um, I really appreciate the the input about stuff from Norway. Maybe if you don't mind, we could do a follow up on Skype at some point. If That'd I think of cool. any more stuff I want to ask you about, or if you think of anything yeah. else that would be cool to share, um, thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you for Isabel. having me.